0: We were a bit different in that we weren't migrants, so we weren't on the lower deck. Um, we paid our passage. Um, my stepfather um, had to come out 12 months ahead um, and he was indentured to the South Australian Railways. Um, so mum and I came out as paid, paid passage. Um, so, you know, we, we, we had a cabin to ourselves, which, which was nice. Um, because, um, some of the migrant migrants, um, their accommodation on the ship, we did have a look. Um, it it was not particularly pleasant. (laughs) So
1: that must have been a really big move for your mother to come out. Oh. Was Kiel in Germany? Yes,
0: that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was product of her second marriage. Yes. So, you know, she was, she was not a spring chicken. But yeah, it was was a big move because she had no English. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, nor did I, of course. Um, So to come out to Australia was a a brave move. And did
1: she have any history with the war? Like, is there any history about um, her family in? in (laughs)
0: Look, she she never really talked too much about it. She was a telephonist at one stage. She spoke about that, but um, Mum was one of those people. She put elements of her past in a box put them on the shelf, and that's, that's where they stayed. And unfortunately, um, because of that, I never got to know my father. I have no photos. The only evidence of my father that I've got is his name on my birth certificate. Right. I've subsequently done the DNA bit for ancestry and my heritage, but that has not unearthed anything other than fourth and fifth cousins, which is so far removed that it's not worth chasing. So um, I I have no knowledge of my father's um, side of the family at all.
1: And do you find that frustrating, like not only as a daughter or uh, well, as a person but as a historian?
0: I do, I do. And why is it so difficult? But, of course, so many records went mm. up in flame mm-hmm. um, during the war in Germany and it was a bit different there too in as much as there was no countrywide births, deaths and marriages, mm-hmm. it was all done by region. Mm-hmm. So unless you knew which region to look in, um, it's a bit hard to be to go tracking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So every so often I have another bit of a dig. But, um, you know, I, I left it too long to ask, ask mum questions and I suppose the few times I did, she, she wasn't keen to answer. That was a part of her life that was over and done with and didn't want to talk about it. Um, settled in South Australia and um, by the time we arrived um, my stepfather had almost finished building a house. Um, We lived across the road from there with the family for a couple of months and and then moved into the house he built Um, and then started a nomadic life. Um, We sort of went from there to Allgate in the Mount Lofty Ranges. Um, We then came back to town Um, And all this time my mother was working, um, she was a milliner by by trade. Um, And, in fact, she was quite successful. Um, She was making hats for the wives of members of parliament. So I always say a lot of my mother's hats met the Queen.
1: mother
0: to be working then did, did most other people's mums work I don't think so I, I think you know because kids from school would take me home for lunch with with them and their mother would be there making them toasted cheese sandwiches and things like that and I thought oh gee wouldn't it be nice to have a mother like that but no <laughs> in fact my grandmother came out um, when my uh, mother was pregnant with my sister uh, to help look after her because it obviously mum was keen to to keep working which was fair enough.
1: Yes I suppose because she was working in like, I mean be, be, being a milliner is being an artisan. Absolutely
0: milliner, that's right so, that's right yeah. yeah and it was interesting um with her lack of language um because um she had a, a, a studio I suppose you could call it in in the house from which she worked for a while in Seagliff um and my father or stepfather would um, be in the hallway listening to the clients as to what it was they wanted so that he could he could make sure that she had fully understood after they had left and I thought that was funny yeah <laughs> And my grandmother um, she never picked up the language at all no uh, no, no very. Very few, very basic words. Um, She didn't get out and about much. As a result, of course, we spoke German at home um, until my early teens, um, which was fortunate for me because I'm still able to understand spoken um, German or I can read it. Um, I struggle a bit to to write it because I never went to school. Um, School didn't start till age six and, you know, I was younger than that when we left um but you know I've got that as a second language and in fact um often if I'm watching a um, um a German film for instance um I find myself starting to think in German at times which you know obviously it's it's still there deeply ingrained um the lunch that I would be provided to take to nice. school Um, Metwurst and liverwurst and black bread and, you know, I'd almost have to go and hide in a corner to eat it. I used to envy the kids their Vegemite sandwiches or their jam sandwiches. And, you know, I don't remember them actually making fun of it, but I'm not sure that I was entirely comfortable with with the meal that I was provided because it was different. It, It set me apart. And then ended up at Unley Girls High, which is where Julie Gillard went. But that was some years later. Um, And then went from um, there um, where I went to year two. Now, South Australia did seven years at primary. So year two was the equivalent of third form as it is now. Yes. Yeah. Um, I did Latin. I did um, French. I I did very well in in French. I, I topped the class. Um, and, you know, science and history and all those things that seem to have different names now when when you talk about subjects at school. Um, And then did my final year, which was intermediate at business college. Yes, right. Where apart from doing enough for the intermediate certificate of history, uh, sorry, uh, English and mathematics and that sort of subject, uh, learnt shorthand typing and bookkeeping. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Still handy skills.
0: Absolutely. Right. And, you know, typing, um, that, that, you know, has stood me in good stead all my life. In the meantime, um, I had met Jim in Adelaide and he was in the police force. Oh. A, a fairly new, but, um, you know, he, he, he'd sort of gone through training and everything else. Um, and I was 14 And he was 17. Yep. Now, before I had even met him, it seems he told his mother, I'm going to marry that girl. My mother had a shop in the arcade in Unley, and his mother worked in the dress shop a few doors down, and he had seen me go past a few times. He saw me, and he decided, (laughs) he told his mother, I'm going to marry that girl. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we were engaged um, in April um, '63, um, and um, somehow I managed to get pregnant. Yes, yes. yes. Um, and we married in October '63, and my daughter was born on the first anniversary of our engagement. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah, very good. yeah, yeah. So, Jim was nineteen and two days. Yes, when Debbie was born.
1: Oh, so you were? He I was seventeen.
0: 16. I was seventeen, and yeah. he was nineteen. So that uh,
1: really thrust you into adult life, didn't oh, it? Absolutely.
0: Mm. I think his persistence. <laughs> I think he'd, he'd he'd made a decision, and <laughs> come hell or high water. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you know, we, we just seem to hit it off, and you know, here we are, fifty nine years later. There's fifty nine years this year is our anniversary, yeah. uh, um, and you know, we still enjoy each other's company, and so having worked up until getting married, um, I worked for a real estate agent, yeah, um, where I used my um, skills of bookkeeping and typing and shorthand and that sort of thing. Um, Once I got married, um, there was no question of me continuing to work. It just didn't happen. A married woman stayed home. Even though, you know, I hadn't yet at that time had the baby, um, there was no question. I, I stayed home.
1: So were you forced to resign or was it just an expectation? No,
0: because of course um, Jim was um, stationed in Melbourne at that stage and that was another thing that fortunately um, when we moved to Geelong he was posted to um, Bandiana. Having been in the police force, um, Jim decided that the pay wasn't good enough to get a wife. So he joined the army. Yeah, we're, we're, we're yeah, yeah. So, yeah,
1: so then you had the two girls, and yeah. you're building a your life together. So, yeah, did,
0: did That's you right. do any work during that time? I, I did. Um, I, I can't remember at what stage I started to do that. It was probably um, was after Joanne was born, um, and I started to just do waitressing yes. uh, in, in the evenings when Jim was home to look after the kids. Mm. Um, uh, in yeah wait, waitressing and and um, pub meals you know yes. that that sort of thing um, um, and I was overdue to have her um, and we got a telegram come in and have your baby I'm sorry I didn't keep that telegram so we hopped on the train so that I <laughs> Because <laughs> she had to be induced. But, you know, because we had no car, we went from Glenroy to to, um, to Melbourne. <laughs>
1: On a telegram?
0: <laughs> On a telegram. Come in and have your baby. Yeah. <laughs> and you went, okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, and how did you feel when you became a parent for the first
0: time? Overwhelmed. Um you know while um I had had a little bit of dealing with my sister, I suppose i was I was young when she was a baby i well there's a six and a half years between us, so I suppose as a six and a half seven year old there's a limit to what you can do for your sibling um so that was really my only experience with with babies um we had no extended family so to speak um you know, there was mum and dad and, and, and me sort of thing. Um, and from memory, I think most of the friends that mum and dad made um, had older children. So, again, no experience with babies. Mm. So it was all...
1: So you were pretty alone.
0: Absolutely, and, absolutely.
1: And, and did, did you feel alone?
0: I don't think so. I mean, I, Jim was there. Yeah, yeah. Although typical, um, you know, happens with, with army um, families, all the disasters seem to happen when they're away. <laughs> of course, what it is, it's, you know, it's always worse when they're not home. Um, you know, disasters happen when they're there too, but there's, it isn't a disaster because they're there to help. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. And, in fact, I was at Broadmeadows too. Um, My first public service job was um, at Two Military Hospital. Um, And that was at the peak of the Vietnam War. Yes. It was interesting. Um, One of my jobs um, was each Wednesday to receive the signal, as they called it, which was like a big telegram thing, which was a list of the soldiers being returned on the following Wednesday for rehabilitation. So what happened was they would come from Vietnam um, to Sydney or an airport close to Sydney. The name escapes me at the moment, Richmond. Um, And they would be stabilised at two military hospital and then sent on to their home state so that they could be close to their family. Um, so I had a fair bit to do with, with those patients. Um, I would help the pay clerk go around, help, um, ask how much pay they want to draw that fortnight, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. Um, I was typing admissions and discharge summaries and so, you know, got to know what wounds they had where, um, um. Yeah, Um, then I was the civilian staff clerk there as well and and looking after the pay for the visiting specialists and uh, it was was a very, very interesting job and very varied. Um, I started off there as a temporary typist Hmm. um, and then um, equal pay was being talked about but typists there was no equal pay for, pay for typists because there were no male typists so typist pay wasn't going up so I thought well blow this I went into the uh, clerical uh, stream then so that I was then on the bandwagon for equal pay <laughs> so, so that was that was interesting Um, No
1: equal pay for typists because there were no male typists. So interesting. So you changed to clerical. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And you say for equal pay permanent public servant in the fourth division as the highest level of schooling was intermediate. That's right. So that means you couldn't go.
0: That's right. Because I didn't have the academic qualifications, I was in the fourth division um, which – a clerical assistant i think was my mm. um the, the the category and and then grades um you know um
1: and 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 w- w- was there equal pay at that point or were you coming to parity
0: it it came in yeah it came in yeah after I had joined it it came in yeah yes. yeah yes yeah
1: yeah yes great you know apart I will make a uh, a historical observation. Apart from the fact that many more women probably had the intermediate certificate, and more men probably had the um, academic certificate, so they were initially able to go in on a higher pay level because of mm. you know yeah the, yeah. The, yeah. All the yeah systemic
0: that's right that's right yeah stuff I'm sure yeah. you found yeah things yeah, like yeah.
1: That. is there anybody that you particularly remember from that time?
0: Probably not Um, because, again, they were um, a a moving staff in as much as the women there were often married to soldiers so they would come and go. Um, You know, a lot of postings were only for a couple of years which didn't um, give you much time to sort of really get to know people. Um, In fact, um, it was always a problem um, when... I was applying for jobs um when on when we moved um they would find out you're a soldier's wife mm. um well you know it wasn't like more recently where they've said are you planning on getting pregnant in that case we won't employ you um well if you're married to a soldier how long are you going to be with us mm. um so it was very much a discriminatory mm. um issue um back then mm. um I'm not sure whether they'd be allowed to even ask the question these days. Um, I found that, um, all you need to do was be accepted into a university, um, in order to go up a public service division. Ah. So I applied to UNE to do an arts course. And in fact, I started it. Mm. I I did it probably for 12 months. It was, I I chose German, um, (laughs) which was (laughs) a, a little bit easy um but you know the the travel and the, the the study and and that sort of thing and that at the time I, I was already in the in the um, army reserve so um yeah but that gave me a, a, a leg up um then to be able to apply for third division um ah. yeah yeah
1: so what made you join the army R- R- reserve
0: well I had been the good soldier's wife and, you know, Jim would put his uniforms in the dirty clothes basket and they'd come out ironed and starched and everything else. And I thought, I might try this and see see what happens to my own uniform. But, I mean, that's not how it happened, of course. But, yeah, I had worked for um, the Army Army. Um, Mostly, I think, yeah, at that point in time was, was only at the, at the hospital, general hospital, but I felt I, I sort of had seen so much of Army life that I thought, well, maybe I can do this. And the other thing I think that um, was a, um, a carrot for me was the fact that public service would give you time off to do Army Reserve, but they did not withhold your pay. You got paid by the public service, oh. and and you also got paid, so it was quite lucrative. Mm. Um, in in fact, um, you could do two weeks course, two weeks camp, um, and you know a little bit else in, in between. So it it sort of helped us financially mm. to um, to 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 do that. Um, yeah, so. And
1: how did you enjoy
0: it? I, I really enjoyed it. Did you? I, I did. Yes, yes.
1: What did you like about it?
0: I think I think it was a getting getting to the outdoors bits. Um, I'd not experienced that before. We were not we were not a family that went bushwalking or a- anything like that. And once I got into the. Um, Army Reserve and we started, you know, going uphill, down, down with exercises and and things like that, I thought, yeah, I I like this, Mm. Um, you know, the adventure training aspect of it, yeah, Mm. yeah, Mm. yeah.
1: Did you like the camaraderie?
0: Probably, that too, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: To find that kind of community that you were looking for, is that one of the reasons that you and Jim joined the local brownies and guides? And did that happen at this
0: point, or when you came here? No, that happened. That happened early in the piece um, in Warwick Farm, mm. um, and yeah. Well, Joanne Joanne joined the Brownies as well. She was age seven um, when she when she was enrolled. Uh, so Debbie would have been close to ten, um, and. Yeah, I can't remember the sequence of, of things, but, um, you know, the, the, the local association needed people and with I've always sort of felt I'll help and do what I can where I can. Mm. Um, so I, I suppose really my community work started about there with yes. with, with um, Brownies and Guides Um I was badge secretary, and um, we helped with bottle drives. We 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 had a very large, tall hedge in front of our place, and in fact, our front yard um, for a couple of bottle drives was the depot for um, bringing in and sorting the bottles. Well, you know, mm-hmm. on a on a warm summer's night, it smelled like a brewery. It was <laughs> quite interesting. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, these days, you know, you t- talk bottle drive and nobody would know what on earth you're talking about. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, but that was one of the fundraising things. Well, now people can
1: take them down to, I mean, people
0: still collect them. Oh, yes, them. that's yeah. right. They're still a fundraiser but not, not in the same way. No, that's right.
1: That's right. That's yeah, right. yeah.
0: And too. newspapers similarly um, mm-hmm. w- were collected mm-hmm. and they were sold to the fish and chip shops because that's, that's what they wrapped their fish and chips in. Yeah.
1: That's awesome! Yeah. Ah, and you were appointed district commissioner. Yeah. And was that then? Like, yes. Was that early on? Yes. So this really was your first. Yes. You know, as you said, your first. At about the same time as the army um, reserves, and again, brownies and guides is outside stuff. Like yeah. Well, that's that's right. Parking. That's right. So there yeah. Seems to yeah. Be a bit yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, sometimes, sometimes, something I um, often um, think back on is. Um, we would take the brownie troop um, out for a camp or something, we'd throw them all in the back of a Ute. So there'd be ten or twelve kids in the back of a Ute and we'd we'd take them bushed. I mean, you know, no, no thought of seatbelts, no no thought of say we never lost one, I don't think. <laughs>
1: There could still be one rolling <laughs> around on the track That's somewhere. right,
0: that's right, but, you know, the, the things we got away with um, was mm. just amazing thinking back. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What did happen to your Army Reserve um, your, your, your uniforms?
0: I did them. I did them did because, two, of, yeah, one. because I'd had plenty of practice and I could do them twice as quick. That's right. That's right. So yeah, Jim. Jim never learnt to iron. Um, he'd say, "Just show me one more time. How how do you do that second sleeve without crumpling up this, the first one? Just show me one more time." Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in the end, I thought, ah, "I'm not showing you one more time." So there. <laughs> <laughs> I <I'm> win. <here. laughs>
1: clever of jim i always ask women what their best when when um i mean you're when you had the children young and doing all that ironing what's the best domestic invention that you think has ever has happened what's the best time saving device
0: well for me it was yeah. the steam iron yeah. because i actually was doing jim's uniforms pre-steam iron Um, In fact, the early days I didn't even have an ironing board. It was a blanket on the table.
1: So can you explain to me what you did before a steam iron?
0: Well, before the steam iron, you would sprinkle the clothes with water. Um, If you were clever, you had a bottle with a a few holes in the the, um, stopper at the top, sprinkle them with um, water and then roll them up so that they would damp completely throughout. And then unroll them, and then um, then iron them. That would have taken
1: so long. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and army uniforms too. Like yes, yeah, that's to be right. Really well yeah, pressed.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, our first steam iron we got on hire purchase. Couldn't even. We didn't even have the money to pay for an uh, steam iron. F- I can't remember how much it was. Maybe it was an exorbitant price back then. Yeah. Um, you know, a new invention, probably. Um, yeah. Well, I, maybe it was the cost that had put it off, put me off. Maybe it wasn't a new invention. Maybe it had been there all along. We simply couldn't afford one yeah. until we got one on high purchase. When we told people we had a posting to Wodonga, they looked at us or looked at me and said, it's not even sewered. Now, as it turns out, Wodonga didn't get sewerage fully until 1965. So they were pretty, pretty close to the, to the mark. I mean, you know, that wasn't the case at the time, but um, it, it was um, a bit slow in, in getting that service. Um, so it was considered to be a bit of an outpost, mm. um, a bit of a hick, hick country town. Mm. Yeah.
1: Mm. And did you think that as well? Or
0: Once we got here, I, I quite enjoyed it. I, I, I liked the country life and I, I think um, one of the main things was it was quicker to get to work. You didn't have the traffic, you didn't you know, it was was a huge a huge difference. Mm. Yeah. A yeah. huge lifestyle change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: And did your children come with you? Yeah. Oh they yes, yeah they older, were. Yeah. Sixty four and sixty seven. Yeah. 67, yeah. Um, but they were getting older. Yeah, that's right. Mm.
0: That's right. Yeah. Well Joanne went to um, Wodonga South Primary mm. and Debbie went to Wodonga West High. it was a new school at that at that time. Yeah.
1: Do you have any other memories of Wodonga in this first stint in your
0: life? Probably when we arrived, um, they were in the middle of a um, locust plague. Oh, nice. And when you approached a lawn, the lawn would lift. But, of course, it was the locusts. But it, it just looked as though the, the whole lawn had lifted and to, to move off. It was... It was a horrendous plague at, the, at that time. Um, so not only did it eat all the, the greenery in your lawns and everything else, but made an awful mess of the car radiators. And one of the other interesting things, because I was doing um, at one stage what they called local purchase at 31 Supply Italian, which meant that I went out to um, purchase um items that they couldn't get through through the system. So we were in the middle of a mouse plague. And there were no mouse traps to be had anywhere. Yeah. I ended up going to Yakandander to buy some mouse traps because there were none left in Albury-Wodonga. Mm-hmm. It was just amazing. Yeah. The interest in history, um, really it, it came about because I joined the Historical Society to do desktop publishing. Right. That was, that was my aim because in the final um, year or two of um, working in, the, in um, the public service, there was a course advertised at Chafe. And it was a free course. Nine months. So it was, you know, it was a certificate course. And it was desktop publishing. Of course. And um we had computers, um, and I thought I'd I'd like to learn that. Yeah. So here am I, um, you know, all fired up to go I can do page maker, I can do this, I can do that. Um, and that's what I can do for the historical society. Yeah. Um, it went then from well it's all very well to be able to print nice signage and things like that but um, we need a secretary and then we also needed a treasurer and you know within, within two years of joining the historical society I'm joint secretary treasurer which I then ended up doing for nearly 20 years and that's too long but Nobody tapped me on the shoulder. Nobody else nominated and I always said they're letting me do it until I get it right and maybe that was never going to happen. <laughs> so,
1: so you came to it whilst you were working as a desktop publishing but what... what and then what? And then you got interested in the in what you were what you were working
0: on. Exactly, that's right. One of the first things that I did for um, the historical society, they had a lot of um, history um, books that they had um, compiled, but it was only ever done on a typewriter and then photocopied. Um, so I scanned and OCR'd those so that they could be searched. So apart from making them look prettier. Mm-hmm. Um the fact that we could then search them mm-hmm. was was a huge um, bit. But where okay. I where they had opened a drawer and said, Oh yes, well these ones um should be done, um they didn't open the other four drawers. So <laughs> it it took me probably three years or more to to scan um and OCR and recompile all these books that had been done you know yeah those people that um i have um made friends with seem to have been older women i i'm not sure sure why i've gravitated to to older women um and jane's 20 years older than i am um she's she's absolutely amazing um and i've forgotten the question
1: did you make any close friends there? Like, okay. And you did because Jean talked to me about
0: you on the phone actually. Okay. You know, okay. you know. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I, I keep an eye on Jean. I mean, she thinks she doesn't need looking after but, I'll you cut know, that bit out Yeah, too. yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, so I got <coughs> that impression. Yeah, yeah. She was
0: like, oh, but, well, you know. Yeah, I said, oh, right. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jean introduced us to the Outback actually. Um, oh, yeah, yes. yeah. So we took her on a, a trip. Jim and I we took her to Akarula in the Northern Flinders Ranges. Yes. If you haven't been there, you must go. Akarula. <coughs> Arkaroola, A R K. yeah. Yeah. So um, we went with with her. Actually, we've we've been twice. We the first time was by plane, and um, the local um, small a- a- airplane. Whose name escapes me, um, did a trip to um, to Arkaroola. It was one of the stops, um, Swan Hill, not Broken Hill, and Arkaroola. And they've got what they call a ridge top tour, which um, is unique to them as well. Um, and you know, the Flinders Ranges is is just an amazing place. Yeah. So then Jim and I drove. Um, well, I, I did the driving and we took Jean with us too that, that time. And I've had two trips back myself. Um, one was with one of my granddaughters. Um, she chose to come with me for her 21st birthday. So we drove and um, we were lucky enough to um, hire the local pilot and his plane on her 21st birthday and we drove over like flew over Lake air yeah and um she got to fly the plane and you know so but just the fact that she would give up a 21st birthday party which a lot of people would prefer to do Mm. and go to the outback with her grandmother i think it's it's pretty special and um the next time i went or that was no before alex and i went
1: what do you
0: feel? Why do you love it so much? <sighs> the, the, the vista and the fresh air and the sounds or the lack of sound, probably. It's it's just, an, an, it's a special place. It's almost like being on a different planet. Wodonga, my husband, was posted to Bandiana.
1: And you started work at the Apprentices' School. I did. And by it was Giller.
0: quite new, um, quite new then. Yeah. Um, it had moved up from Balcombe. Um, and it was about that time, actually, that I um, had or just prior to that had been accepted at University of New England and was able to apply for third division. And um, there was no third division jobs at the Apprentices' School or or in the Army uh, Department of Defence, so I went to tax. Well, it was interesting because I went from clerical assistant but with quite a lot of responsibilities to base grade clerk where I was doing change of addresses. Mail would come in, a letter would come in from a taxpayer who would say, I've moved from 12 Smith Street to 13 Jones Street, please amend my record. So I would have to write on a form 12 Jones Street along with the tax file number. That then went to my supervisor who would proofread what I had written. That would then get sent to the typing pool who would type it up produce a print, that would then come back to my supervisor who would check to make sure that the typing pool had corrected it properly. These days, of course, you get in front of the computer, you fix it, and no, nobody double checks, nobody does anything. But it was such mundane work. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure how, how I managed to, to, to cope with it, and I don't know how, how long I did it, but it was you know, along those lines... Um, yeah, and it, interesting too in as much as um, promotions went on seniority back then.
1: Yes,
0: right. So if somebody had been in public service for 20 years and a position became available even temporarily, they were next in line to get it regardless of their capacity yes. to, to, actually, to actually do that. Mm. Um, so, you know, that, that, that was interesting. But, you know, of course all that has changed now. I was just starting then to go up the ranks, so to speak, in the tax office. Yeah. Um, and um, we decided it was close enough to Melbourne to get some city life, if that's what we wanted to do. Joanne married, but you know, what, whatever it was, um, the girls married, went away, and came back. So I was very lucky. Oh, so they came back. They and did. Lived here. They did. I was very lucky to have the grandchildren grow up locally. I absolutely thrived on on the grandchildren. I, you know, I I loved them. Um, one of them, um, while Joanne was playing keyboard at church, I I would you know take the kids for a walk. Um, so her oldest, I always think I'm the one responsible for having him having to become a, an accountant, because I taught him his numbers from the from the letter boxes and from the from the car number plates and things like that. So. You know, that's that's where he learned his numbers. So.
1: <laughs> Was it a conscious decision for you to support your daughters more with their children? <sighs> not,
0: not a conscious thing. It's just something I felt I needed to do. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that I just loved my grandchildren. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I never got empty nest syndrome until they moved away. Um, And, you know, they're not all moved away. Some of them are are, are back. Oh, until the grandchildren moved away. Yes, (laughs) yes. Yeah, that's right. Childcare has made a big difference. Um, We won't get into the cost of childcare, but I don't recall when I was having or bringing up my kids, that there was such a thing as a childcare facility. I don't think they existed. Um, we relied on friends and neighbours to, to look after our children in the home. I mean, I had um, one woman that was looking after Debbie and Joanne. Um, she must have done it for five or six years um, in, in Sydney. Um, I can't remember what I paid her. It must, must have been enough. Um but, you know, she chose to stay home, look after her own kids and, and a couple of extra, and that was that was her way of working, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so I don't know when, when childcare businesses um, started up, to be honest. And, you know, I mean, obviously once they got set up, it was acknowledgement that, yes, it's okay for married women with children to enter the workforce. Um, and it's not because necessarily they have to for financial reasons either. And I think that's, you know, been, been part of it too. Um, getting out amongst adults um, instead of staying at home just talking to your kids, I think has to make a, a huge difference to, to your life satisfaction.
1: How did you manage it
0: all? I think I must have been very structured, very organised, and I'm not sure whether this falls in that category, but wash nights or the the days we did the washing was always spaghetti bolognese night because that was, you know, the the quickest thing to, to, to do. Um, I I think it was a lot of routine, a lot of structure um, must have been needed. And I'm not sure that it was necessarily a conscious thing, but looking back, that's exactly how how we lived. Um, You know, we we needed a pattern in order for everything to to sort of happen at the time. Um, You know, Joanne was um, um, a, a gymnast um so I had to take her to um gym classes and, and things like that and that was always about the time that we we're trying to make tea and and that sort of thing, you know. And Joanne ended up um in the fruit flies, the local fruit flies.
1: of an army barracks and the community. Like what's what was the role of what's the role of Bandiana within the broader Aubrey Wadonga community? How do you think it sits?
0: Well I think I think Wadonga appreciates the fact that Bandiana was part of their livelihood. Um, because, you know, obviously they provided the food and they provided, you know, lots of other things. Um, Wodonga, not so much the entertainment, because there wasn't too much entertainment <laughs> available in, in Wodonga back then. I don't know how much there is now, but, um, uh, yeah. So over the years, um, Bandiana has been a um, a big... Um, part of the economy mm. of of Wodonga mm. um, and I think too um, there's been a bit more understanding of the military with the population of Wodonga that I got anywhere else that we were living um, you know people would be um, saying oh well you know your, your husband's in the army so you get all your medical treatment for nothing or your husband's in the army so you get your housing for free um, was all these misconceptions um, that, you know, people assume um, and, um, yeah, something I'd like to sort of bring in was... Um, it's never been easy being an army wife because it was an old saying, and I, I agree with it if the army wanted you to have a wife, they would issue you one. Um, I don't know whether families get a lot more support than they did in, in my time. Um, while Jim was in Vietnam, um, I got a message to say my hedge was overgrown. Would I do something about it? Or Jim got a message that his hedge was overgrown. Would I do something about it? Um, And I recall one neighbour across the road coming over and telling me I was going crooked, not let me help you with this. Um, And I don't know whether it was a joke or it, it, it just caught me at a very vulnerable time, I think. Um, you know, okay, you can see I'm going crooked. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you help me? Why don't you do something about it? Yeah, so, you know, we, we were pretty much left to our own devices. Um, and it didn't help for me um, being at the hospital receiving these signals um, of the wounded soldiers coming back every Wednesday. And my husband was over there. I'm not sure that they would put a woman in that position anymore these days. It was, was a pretty pretty sticky sort of a, a situation to be put in. And I don't know how I, how I coped with that. But then I was involved in a hold-up. Just before I joined the public service, I was waitressing at the motel that we were staying at. Where we happened to have been staying for 10 or 6 weeks because our house wasn't ready with the army um and a guy came in um and held up the front office and i had the owner's young child in the in the back room with me and i was more concerned about that young child i think than anything else but the 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 the, the robber or gunman um actually pointed the weapon and fired into the floor. Now, it was a parquet flooring. And, of course, all these bits of wood were coming towards me. And in my mind, it was all bullets. Um, y- you know, now, the boss made me finish my shift. He, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't pat me on the back and say, I'll go home and recover. I had no counselling, no no nothing um these days you'd be off on stress leave for six weeks wouldn't you after being that close in a a (laughs) holder so again I think I think these things just make you do make you stronger
1: in terms of your career and you have you have discussed some of these before did you face any roadblocks to promotion or anything firstly well because of your gender or due to the fact that you were a mother or as you said an army wife
0: yeah well certainly um at interviews um you could feel that barrier going up if you were an army wife well how long were you going to stay for instance um for a while there too um it was interesting um albury tax office If you weren't a Catholic, you didn't have much choice, much hope of of getting too far ahead. Now that was that that would have been in the 80s. So um, it was just you know one of those vibes that that I heard about. Um, I'm not too sure, you know, because I was never asked, was I a Catholic?
1: Do you, do you, or have you ever viewed
0: yourself as the term feminist? I, prob- probably, probably, um, although what that means I wouldn't be able to really tell you, but I thought now... I'm a woman, I can join the army. I'm a woman, but I can throw a grenade, so I did. I can fire machine guns, I can direct artillery, all those things that I did during my officer training in the, in the army reserve. So, I think it was probably my way of showing I'm equally as good. Is that fall in that category? Yeah. Yeah, so probably yes.
1: on your piece of paper i retired but was not ready to give up work because you retired in january 2002 so 20 years ago now yes i know
0: yes it's a long time yeah isn't it yeah Um, yeah yeah well i did i did 32 years in the public service all up so you know that was a fairly healthy balance in my super um which allowed me to retire um on superannuation at a pretty young age, mm-hmm. um, but ready to retire, but not ready to give up work. No. That's um, not. So um, prior prior to retirement, um, for a couple of years actually, I um, because my husband had been invalided out from the public service. he, he went into the public service after the military um so he was invalided out and um so as he wasn't left to his own devices 5 days a week um i took advantage of the local um um paid leave,
1: the paid leave that's right
0: yeah. yeah so um i was able to have every wednesday off being one week paid leave and one week flex so i only worked two days in a row which which was was very pleasant actually mm-hmm. Um, to be able to work those hours, but then on that Wednesday morning, um, because I could, I would go to St Augustine's School and help up in my help out in my grandchildren's classes. Ah. So you know that was another element of community work, I suppose. So I quite enjoyed that. Um, but then you know once I gave up work for good, uh, or retired from um, the public service. Um, there was a letterbox drop looking for somebody to do the newsletter for Neighbourhood Watch and I thought, well, with my desktop publishing skills, Mm. I can spare half a day, a month to to do that. Um, And that sort of snowballed from from doing that to being their treasurer as well and, you know, oh, yes, well, I've got a little bit of time, I can do that, I can do that. I actually um, now recommend to anybody retiring for the first six months of your retirement say no to every offer that comes your way otherwise you just end up you know I left work doing 36 and three-quarter hours a week paid and ended up you know doing 40 hours a week unpaid I think yeah, yeah. Because
1: that was at the same time that you were doing the historical – you started the Historical Society in 2001. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. you did. You signed up to yeah. um, to Neighbourhood <laughs> Watch and the Historical Society.
0: And the Show Society. And the Show Society
1: <clears throat> at the same time, all through the fault of the Neighbourhood Watch Coordinator. Exactly. took you along to the Wodonga Show. Exactly, that's right,
0: <laughs> that's right, yeah.
1: So yeah. you ended up treasurer of three associations. That is not – Yeah. Easy
0: word. No, no, that's right. No. Yeah. God, you wouldn't want to see
1: any more receipts or books for a while. That's right. You That's right, Um, yeah. So how long were you involved in the local
0: neighbourhood watch for? It was probably about five years.
1: And what did you enjoy about it?
0: Um, Again, meeting the people of the community um, and meeting the local police too because at that time Um, a member from the police force would come to each meeting. Um, So that was interesting. They'd give us a bit of an update as to what happened in the area um, the the previous month. Um, I think all that sort of thing's folded now. It's gone by the by. by. I was going
1: to ask, do you know much about where Neighbourhood Watch is at now? No. it seems like it's disappeared. Yeah,
0: that's right. And a lot of that, I think, is to do with the fact that the police simply do not have the resources to allow their members the time. Um, you know, they've, they've got too much of their own other things to, to do. Mm. Yeah, so obviously they weighed it up and decided that... I, th- I think it still operates in some fashion somewhere along the line, but certainly not in the way that uh, it was back then.
1: And, do you, and, and what do you think about the fact that it's not going anymore?
0: I, I think it's a shame... Because it gave people um, not ownership, but it it gave people a sense of responsibility. Um, Well, you know, I'm not sure that that's quite what should be happening. Perhaps I'll report that at my next Neighbourhood Watch meeting and we'll see where that uh, goes. Mm -hmm. These days, you just see something happening and you, you know, look the other way, basically.
1: A lot of work. Yes. At show societies.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did you know much about? Um, Had no idea what a show society was all about.
1: I, I, I <coughs> made
0: an assumption that yeah. perhaps you didn't. No idea, no idea. Um, but I thought, oh well, you know, this this was a one-off uh, per year. Um, they set up <clears throat> they set up for the show in the pavilion, um, not realizing, of course, that they meet monthly. And um, you know, a- again. Um, more for my desktop publishing skills. I thought I was going to be using, and in the end, I did a lot of design and printing for them, um, for their prize cards and and their displays and 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 that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And in fact, even their um, schedule, mm-hmm. um, you know, all the different categories as to you know fruits and vegetables and all those. All those things but um, I enjoyed it yes
1: um, I mean you've been associated with them for a really long time yeah actually. yeah so are you still associated with
0: the show no society? I gave that up um, a few years ago um, and of course by then I was not only um, ladies auxiliary I was show society oh, yes. I yeah so I set up their very original website mm-hmm. um one of my grandchildren was doing a TAFE course um, at the time and um, one of his assignments was, in fact, to uh, design and build a website. So he and I together um, did this. Um, well, I helped in the design um, for the Show Society. So um, I think we used that for probably 10 years. It was a really good basis um, before I converted that to WordPress. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and similarly with the um, historical society, I set up their Facebook page and their website, and I'm still actually operating their. Facebook page for the Woodonga Show Society. Are you? Because yeah. it
1: says that you have resigned from there last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, but you are still doing Yeah,
0: that's right. That's right. And is that yeah. good? That you're still yeah, I, doing yeah, that? I'm I'm still enjoying it. But you know, it, it concerns me that um nobody well, there isn't anybody that can do it. That's the thing. And occasionally somebody said, Oh, you can give any gives that to any teenager to look at. To, to do but it's not just a matter of posting a picture every day and a bit of a story you've got to have the answers when people ask a question you know when was that built where is it um it's it's there's more to it than than just um posting a picture there is yeah yeah okay,
1: it's quite it's- Quite time-consuming.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, it, is, it is, it is. Um, and I, for the um, third or fourth time the other day, posted a picture of Ollie's trolley. And that creates great excitement every time. And within 16 hours, it had a reach of over 5,000 people and 143 comments. Awesome. And what Ollie's trolley is, is a chicken and ice cream um it was a train tra- um, train carriage or a tram carriage hmm. that was set up, and it was, um, you know, like Kentucky Fried Chicken, that type of thing with oh, ice cream wow. and things like that. And it was just north of Saint Augustine's.
1: What did you enjoy the most about your involvement with the show society?
0: Well, I, the planning, being involved in the planning, I, th- I think that was that was a big, um, big thing. Um, and you know we we had a, a diverse group of people, um, mm. and trying to you know satisfy everybody, and everybody had their own ideas and, and things like that. Um, but um, unfortunately, I, well there wasn't a show again this year. There wasn't one last year, so I'm just not too sure where where they've where they've ended up, you know, COVID did did a lot of damage as it did with a lot of other shows as well. Once it folded and that was pre-COVID, mainly because of the age, you know, there were women in their 80s and 90s um, trying to run sections Mm. and it just, just got too much um so it it went and you know along with that of course the judges at the pavilion were cwa judges for the cakes and there was a lot of um experience and knowledge that with that but you know i i think half of them have died in the meantime so you know it was was time to fold it was mm. otherwise you know they they would have died on the job which would have been costly but <laughs>
1: Utah is called on by many organisations to give advice on historical matters and exhibitions. You regularly contribute to the Border Mail um, and you've helped raise the profile of the society and a general interest in Wodonga's history. Yep. So yeah, I well, miss I've... historical Wodonga.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that, that was Jean's title. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I'll tell
1: her tomorrow. I'll say if she says, well, that's Utah's <laughs> stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um... The Border Mail um, articles, I've been doing since, I think it's May 2016. So we're talking nearly six years. Mm. <clears throat> Only once a fortnight. Um, and probably there's less than a handful of times um, that I haven't done it personally. Mm. Um, not, you know, not that I claim it as my own, Um, But by the same token, nobody's tapped me on the shoulder and said, here's the article for next week. Um, It's got to be about 350 words and has to have an appropriate related image image to go with it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there are times now where I'm starting to scratch to, to find a new topic that I haven't already covered in that six and a half years, mm. um, in fact, last week I completed an article. Fortunately, I gave it this, exactly the same name as an article that I had done on exactly the same topic four years ago, and hadn't realised. Now I'm sure I could have, I could have got them to print it, but there'll be always some smart person who'll say, "Hey, hang on a minute, you already did that." <laughs> Had it not been for my historical society and neighbourhood watch and everything else work, that I was still well, wasn't neighbourhood watch anymore then, um, I think I would have gone stir crazy. But you can do an awful lot with your leg in the air and sitting and directing by by phone, you know. Otherwise, I think I would have gone stir crazy. Yeah, but um, the ankle's still not not right. Uh, so I've got a fused ankle, which is arguing with a an arthritic knee and um, <laughs> a ticky ticker. And <laughs> that's right, but yeah, I'm here.
1: What has all of your community involvement brought you over the years? Like, what what joys has it brought you?
0: Well, I mean the the award in 2018 was totally unexpected. Mm. Um, and you know, it was, was nice to have, but to be honest, um, people still don't know who I am, but you know, so, so, so so be it. And a lot of that's probably to do with me because I tend not to be in, in, in gatherings. I, I don't put myself out there. You know, I'm one of those that I'll, I'll speak when I'm spoken to sort of thing. Um, I'm not one that says, hey, here I am. I was citizen of the year 2018. Look at me, you know, acknowledge me. Um, So um, other than that, nobody has held a gun to my head and made me do any of this. I do it for self-satisfaction. The newspaper articles, I don't get much feedback at all, but the ones that I do suggests that, yes, there are a lot of people that do enjoy those history writings, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, self, self-satisfaction self I think is, is, is the main thing and um, that's all I ever wanted. Other than it's been an interesting experience to sit here and tell stories about my life and at times, be reminded about things that I had forgotten about. Um, And I always say to people, don't leave it too long to interview your grandparents. If you want the story, ask them now. It's too late once you've buried them. So, you know, try and get them to... Write down, even if it's dot points, and then add to it um, as as time goes on. Um, yeah, don't 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 leave it too long to ask the questions.
1: Do you have any any life advice or words of wisdom that you'd like to pass on to your great grandchildren as they embark? at as they embark into the world when they become young adults themselves.
0: Nothing is that bad that it can't be overcome.